0: I'm gonna pray, and when I finish praying, then I'm gonna get right into the word and we're gonna teach. Uh, It's a little longer than I thought, but you know what, we'll make the time up. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for the opportunity to come before these, your people. I thank you that you have uh, given me what to say. Now, I ask you to give me how to say it in the most effective and clear and concise way. I ask that you would allow my lips to be anointed to speak your word. And I ask that you would allow the listeners for their ears to be anointed to hear. Father, I ask that you would allow everything that is done to be done for your glory and it be done that we might grow and develop and become closer uh, in our relationship with you, that we will grow into our sonship with you, that we can be ambassadors for you in the earth and cause others to come into the kingdom. Father, if you will do that for us, we'll be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory that is due your name. And we thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do for us in your name. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, let's jump right into this. I'm assuming, I didn't even ask. Everybody can hear me pretty good, I'm assuming. Okay, great. I did all of that, man. All right, I'm glad y'all could hear me. All right, so let's jump into today's teaching. Today, we wanna talk about growing into sonship. This is part four, and if I had to give it a subtitle, it would be it would be called The Process Explained. Last week, we talked about uh, growing into sonship, and we talked about the spirit of adoption the spirit of adoption and how we are uh, literally adopted into God's family, that we were uh, in the kingdom of darkness and that when we came to know Christ, he then translated us and took us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son, and that we have become no longer just creations of God. But when we got born again, we became children of God. And as children of God, we were adopted into the family. But as we said three weeks ago when we started this lesson, we don't want to be satisfied with just being children. Because we know that if we are just children, there are certain benefits and there are certain um, uh, responsibilities and privileges that we don't get to take a part of as long as we are children. So we said we want to grow into sonship. And we said that sonship had nothing to do with gender, that it was all about position. It was all about maturity. It was all about growth. It was all about development and that we want to become sons of God. And so our teaching this morning is designed to be an extension of that revelation to be an extension of that revelation and that insight that we've been basking in. And I hope you've been basking in it over the last several weeks concerning growing into sonship. And so one of the things that we started talking about uh, is our foundational scripture. And I'll, I'm gonna read our foundational scripture in a minute. But one of the things that I was thinking about is that when we begin to talk about sonship, the one thing that sonship does is conversation, I believe, that it has allowed us uh, to be able to focus uh, as partners, to focus as 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 individuals on how important it is that we take care of our own self development. What do I mean? We can't wait and just expect Holy Spirit to come and just force uh, just force us to grow. That we have to be willing. We have to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to partner with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to partner with the kingdom of heaven, and I'm going to do my part so that I can grow into sonship. See, there are many believers who actually call themselves sons of God, but the Bible clearly teaches us that we are being conformed. Or we are growing into the image of his son. And so one of the things that we talk about, because someone asked the question uh, doing this week after last week's message, how do I know when I'm a son of God? You know, you're a son of God when Holy Spirit confirms it for you. But just becoming a son of God doesn't mean that that's the end of it. We are always growing more and more into that sonship relationship because the Bible says that we don't know what we will become. Why? Because we don't, we can't see the end. God can see the end, but every day we grow and become uh, in deeper re- relationship with him. We we're changing and becoming anew every time we grow closer to him. In other words, when we grow into sonship, it's, it's, it's like we get saved automatically but we have to develop and get all of the junk out of our life. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But let's jump into our foundational scripture this morning, which is where we've been the last several weeks. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. And we've been using this same scripture for three weeks now, so you should probably be pretty used to it. Here's what it says. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, They are the sons of God. So we said one of the conditions to being a son is that you're willing to be led by the father. He says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. And we really talked about this a lot last week when we talked about adoption. When we got born again, we didn't get uh, adopted and then given this spirit of bondage again. God, God literally saved us through Jesus Christ that we could live free. He says, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba or Abba Father. He says this. He says, listen, you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and you have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. He says, and now that you've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, it's important for you to know that you do not have to serve the same bondage that you have been relieved of. He says, you don't have to come into this kingdom and still be in bondage to something that I've delivered you from. I've given you a spirit of adoption. You are now a child of God. You are no longer a slave to sin and so sonship is one of those things that begins to build this bridge of us from leaving slavery to sin forever into the freedom that god has called us into here's what you need to understand though sonship does not happen overnight i'm gonna say that again sonship does not happen overnight nor does it happen without a concerted effort on behalf of the child of god You have to be willing to grow. I said to someone, God is so gracious, he'll let you remain a child forever. It's not his best for you. It's not what he wants for you. But he so loves us that if we choose to stay a child forever, he will allow that. But the ultimate goal was for us to always grow into sonship. And to become sons of God. Why? Because with sonship comes certain benefits, certain rewards, certain tangible things that become present in our life when we become sons of the Most High. Now, with that in mind this morning, I would like to uh, investigate what I call the process of growing towards sonship in Christ. And I say process because it indeed is a process. Understand this. When you get born again, hear me, it happens instantaneously. Salvation is instantaneous, but sanctification, the process that we grow up by, the process that grows us up, the process that matures us is a continual habit. Understand, salvation is instantaneous, but sanctification is a continual habit. And so because sanctification is a continual habit, there is a process to growing in sonship. And I want us to talk this morning about the process of growing towards sonship in Christ. Remember, it's not an overnight thing. Salvation is instantaneous, but sanctification is a day by day process. It's why the Bible says we must crucify this flesh. How often? Every day. Why? Because every day this flesh is trying to live, it's trying to resurrect itself. Why? Because it has a will to be in opposition to the Father. And so it's our job to do what's necessary to crucify it every day. And we're going to talk about that process. So number one, what is the process to growing towards sonship? Number one, we said this last week and I'm going to include it again, you must be born again. You must be born again. And I can't tell you how many people in America, especially, assume that just because you go to church or just because you you do some good community things or because you serve in church even doing nice things and good things, or maybe you're even a tither, maybe you even participate in the fast of your church when they do it. None of that is what causes you to be born again. You have to make the commitment that you, number one, believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he is the only way. And I know there's a lot of debate out there, even in Christianity, about whether or not Jesus is the only way or not. I don't know what other Bible people are reading or how they're trying to make this up, but hear me. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father if you're going to say that you are a Christian. Now, you can say you're something else or some other version of whatever, and you can say, no, he's not the only way. But the Bible is clear that as a believer, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to the father. And as a result, I must also then believe that he is God's only begotten son. And as a result, he came and he died and took the penalty of sin upon him so that I didn't have it up on me. The Bible says that if I would confess that with my mouth, I shall be saved. So if you haven't done that, no matter how good of a person you are, you haven't completed step one in growing, in becoming a son of God. That's right. We must be born again. The original purpose of man was for, for him to have dominion over the entire earth. That is the reason that God wants us to be born again. Why? Because that's where that authority and that dominion comes from. Adam had it. Adam lost it. Jesus got it back and gave it to us, praise God. And if you don't participate in the process of salvation through Jesus Christ, you don't have that dominion and that authority. The Bible says in Genesis verse 1 through 26, it says, And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Notice, sin caused a separation between God and man. That is why sin is so bad. It pushed a wedge between God and man. And as a result of man's disobedience, God's spirit could no longer dwell in mankind. God's spirit used to dwell in mankind, but when sin came in, it created a wedge between God's spirit and mankind. But Jesus came and restored that back. That's why the Bible says he was the last Adam. You know, the first Adam messed up. The last Adam got it right and set things back in right standing. And when we get born again, praise God, we partake in the life of that last Adam. Before that, they had to use blood of animals uh, to cover up all of their sins. But no matter how many animals they kill, no matter how many uh, bulls they sacrifice, no matter how many rams they sacrifice, it was never enough to restore the relationship between a fallen man and a holy God. Let me say that again. No amount of blood sacrifice was ever good enough to mend the relationship between a fallen man, that was us, and a holy God, that is him, until Jesus Christ came on the scene. And when Jesus Christ came on the scene, his shed blood was now enough, glory to God. It was enough. His blood was enough. Even when you look in the Old Testament, when you look at uh, the Passover, when they used to take the blood in, uh, of the lamb and, and they would take that blood and they would put it on the doorpost of their homes when, when the death angel came through, that was a foreshadowing of what was going to happen when the real blood of the real lamb was slain. Because when Jesus gave up his life, for us and his blood was slain, then we got an opportunity to partake of that. And now anytime the enemy tries to mess with us, just like when the death angel came, all he saw was the blood, all the enemy sees is the blood. We are covered in the blood when we are born again. So God had to redeem man with the man. So how did he do that? He gave us Jesus Christ. And since only spirits with physical bodies actually have legal authority on the earth. God then had to send himself in in, in, in in human form. He literally, Jesus is God. He came in human form. And the Bible says that he was the word and, and the word was with us. Jesus dwelt among us. And as a result of that, he did 2000 years ago with no animals, with no sacrifices, could have ever done. And that is the reason that if you're going to ever grow into sonship, we cannot skip this first process, which is that we must be born again. And let me just say this, we may have some first time visitors out there, or we may have people who say, you know what, I've never actually heard anybody say, I had to be born again listen, it's not a big process. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, you can literally do it right here on this live broadcast. You can say, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of all of my sins. I know that you died for me and I'm accepting that right now. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and I want to be born again. And just like that, the Bible says that with the mouth, with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with our mouth we make confession and so i confess that jesus is lord and my heart says i want him to be a part of my life and just like that you're part of the kingdom that is step one in the process so let's take a look at step two because I I, I don't want to spend a lot of time with step one. I could, but I, I believe that most of you are tuned in probably because you are saved. If you're not saved, man, reach out to us. We would love to walk you through the prayer of salvation if you don't think you did it right while listening to me. I'm sure you did, but if you don't think you did, you contact Fellowship of Champions and we will help walk you through. Our greatest desire is to see souls added to the kingdom. Amen? So number two, what is step two in this process of growing towards sonship? Step two is that we must develop a hunger for the word of God. I can't stress that enough. That hunger is developed because you want it. No one is going to force you. You have to make the decision. I want to know more about God. You have to make the decision. I want to know how he thinks. I want to know what he would do. I want to know how he would respond. You must develop a hunger for the word of God. Once we are born again, once we've taken step one, I tell people this all the time, and I don't mean it in a facetious way, but I'm being serious. Once you are born again, when you have truly asked God to come into your life and you've given your heart to God, you actually don't ever have to hear another message about salvation. Why? Because the Bible says that we are born of an incorruptible seed. And when you are born again, then your actions don't pluck you out of the hand of God. However, people who are born again aren't looking to see what they can get away with. So you can kind of make that determination for yourself. Are you looking to see how much you can get away with? Or are you developing a hunger for the things of God so you can do more things that are like him than things that are like the old you? Once we are born again, we are positionally translated into the kingdom. We are positionally translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God. What do I mean by that? I mean, it it may not seem like anything happens because we know that things happen on a natural level. And things happen on a spiritual level. But when you get born again in the spirit realm, you are positionally taken out of the kingdom of darkness and you are placed in the kingdom of God. But just because you're placed in the kingdom of God doesn't mean you know exactly how the kingdom of God operates. But you have been placed there and your confidence can be, I am no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I am in the kingdom of God. I am in the kingdom of light. I'm in the kingdom of his dear son. How do I know this? The Bible testifies to this fact. Let's look at first Peter, chapter two, verse nine in the New Living Translation. It says you talking about us after we've been born again, that we are a chosen people, that we become a royal priesthood. We become a holy nation. And I love this. We become God's very own possession. We belong to God. When you get born again, you are born of an incorruptible seed. And no one can come and pluck you out of that. You are saved and sealed until the day of redemption. But that is your spirit, man. There are still two other parts of you that need some work. And we'll talk about those. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says this. It says, and you, that's me and you, hath he, that's Jesus, quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, there was a time that you and I, we we were born into sin. Even before we did anything on our own account uh, to be against uh, the law of God, we were born into sin. He says, but wherein in times past, we, you and I, we walked according to the course of this world. In other words, we operated not based on a kingdom mentality, but on a world mentality. He says according to the prince of the power of the air, the same spirit that now work in the children of disobedience. He says, you and I were once those individuals. We were enmity against God. We lived according to the prince of this air. We lived according to Satan's rules and devices. And uh, whether we knew it or not, we, weren't, we had not been adopted yet. We had not been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his son yet. He says, but even then, God was quickening us. He He was speaking to our spirit to become aware of who he was. And then if you look at verse four through verse six, he says this, but God, (laughs) he says, but God, who is rich in mercy, praise God for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sin, somebody ought to give God some praise right now. Somebody ought to give God some honor. He was loving us when we were dead in sin. What does that mean? When you were practicing sin and you had no thought of God at all. He says he was yet loving on us he was yet quickening us he was he was doing that thing where he speaks to that place that only he can speak to in our lives he was calling us to 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 yearn for him it says even while we were dead in our sins and why did he do it because he's rich in mercy because he has great love toward us the bible then says uh, it says, even when we were dead in sins has quickened us together with Christ. It says, by grace, are we saved? What does that mean? It means we didn't work to earn it. You didn't do something so great. Uh, it's not because of your family. It's not because of your race. It's not because of your gender. It's not because of your socioeconomic status. You didn't do anything to earn the grace that he showed us and the mercy that he bestowed upon us by allowing us to reconnect with him. He did that. He was calling us while we were dead in our sins. He was calling us and praise God, at some point we heard the call and we took the the opportunity to participate in step one, which was to be born again. He says, and now that you've done that, here is step two. You've got to cultivate or develop a hunger for the things of God. Understand this. What happens is, is we have to see God as necessary. We have to see God as necessary. In fact, go ahead. This will be the first thing I I haven't asked you to do that this morning. Go ahead and put this in the comment section. Say, I see God as necessary. I see God as necessary. When you see something as necessary, it has more value to you. You pay more attention to it. Uh, you know, there there are people who see their morning coffee as necessary, and they see it as so necessary, they'll be late for work if they have to stop to get that coffee. They'll do whatever they need to do to get that coffee. Uh, they'll spend five, six, seven dollars in the morning to get that coffee. They'll they'll set an alarm, they'll wake up early to get their coffee. Why? Because they view coffee as what necessary. He says, You have to see God as necessary. The other thing that you got to understand, though, is that when you get translated out of the kingdom of darkness and you get translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, that without proper training, you become prone to embarrass the family name. Glory to God. (laughs) See, that is the reason that I don't care who you are. If you have the opportunity to meet the queen, the current queen of England before you meet her they're going to train you how to greet her they, they, they don't care who you i don't care if you can be a, if you're a president of, if you're a head of state if you're an athlete if you are entertain whoever you are In their culture, in their kingdom, if you're going to come into their kingdom and you're going to meet their leader, the head of their kingdom, there's a proper way that you have to greet her. And the reason it's important for you to learn it is because they don't want you to embarrass all the people you, you represent. And so that is the reason that when you come into the kingdom of God, you need training. You need to be taught. Why? So that you don't embarrass the family. So that you don't embarrass yourself. What do I mean by that? Have you not ever seen someone who claimed to represent the kingdom of God? They call themselves a Christian, but then they out in the world just acting so foul. They're doing all kind of crazy stuff. And what do people say? Oh, I thought you was a Christian. Even people who are not a Christian say, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. Oh, I thought you were supposed to represent uh, God but you out there embarrassing yourself and embarrassing the kingdom because you never took the time to read about how important self-control was. So so when somebody do something to you, you matching energy. And so so because you matching energy, now they looking at you like, oh, well, you act just like the rest of the people in the world. So you're representing the the kingdom in a bad way. So you cannot neglect... uh, Proper training. That's the reason we say you got to find you a good Bible teaching church. Listen, Everybody likes entertainment and nothing's wrong with entertainment. Listen, I love a good hoop every now and then. I love when a preacher can really, really hoop and, a, and, a, and the organist can really, 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 really play. And he grabbed that ear and he get to really, really preach. I enjoy it. But at the end of the day, what am I supposed to do with that when you're done? If you're not teaching me something, if you're not telling me something that I can apply to my life, you're not training me. That is the reason that at Fellowship of Champions, we so believe in the fivefold ministry. We believe that you ought to have apostles. You ought to have prophets. You ought to have evangelists. You ought to have pastors and you ought to have teachers. And you got to have a leadership willing to let those people function in their gifts. Why? Because the Bible says it's for the perfecting of who? The saints, it's for the perfecting of the saints. Why do we want to be perfected? So we don't go out and embarrass the family. So we don't go out and mess up daddy's name. So we don't go out and do things that don't represent him in a good way. That is the reason we need to develop a hunger for the word of God. Why? Because the word of God will train me. It will teach me. It will instruct me on the things that I am supposed to do. Why is that important? Because I don't grow into sonship without it. I don't grow into sonship without developing a hunger for God's word. I don't grow into sonship without understanding that it's my responsibility to represent the family name. It's why the Bible says in Galatians chapter four, verse one through six, it says, Now I say, he says that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Though he be Lord, small L, L-O-R-D, Lord of all. He, it all belongs to him, but he doesn't have any real authority because he's a child. See, until you develop that hunger for the word of God and start letting the word of God fill you, you remain a child. And as a child, you can't be trusted with certain things. He says, but he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. He says, even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage, see, Under the elements of the world. There's that word bondage again. God translated us out of the kingdom of darkness. He he translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, whereby we receive the spirit of adoption and not the spirit of bondage again to fear. And then here he says, he says, even so, when we were children, we were in bondage of the elements of the world. If you come into the kingdom and you still act like a child and you're not seeking to grow, that bondage will hold on to you. He says, but God sent his son, praise God, made of a woman, made under the law to do what? To redeem them. That's me. Somebody shout, I've been redeemed. Type that in the comment section. Say, I've been redeemed. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts See, he says, when you when you grow and mature into the things of God, God will continue that 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 constant download of things that are of the spirit into your heart where you will be crying. "Abba, father in every situation. You want to know what does the father do? What would the father say? How would the father respond? And then what you seek to do is only what the father would do. That's what Jesus did. He said, I'll only say what the father said. He said i can do nothing of my own he says i was sitting here by the father so i can only do what the father has instructed me to do the bible says in first peter two and two it says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby notice this when we come into the kingdom we're like newborn babies newborn babies in the family we start our growth process by getting fed You know, a newborn baby will every time they're hungry, they'll cry. They want to let you know I'm being I'm hungry. I want something. And of course, we all know this. We don't start babies off on solid food. We start babies off on milk. Why? Because it's what their body can digest. It's what their body can take. But as they get older, then they can take more solid food. I'm using this analogy because I want you to understand that this growth in our life. It works the same way in the kingdom. The first thing we want to do is to find out who God is. Once once we've answered this yearning, okay, God, who are you? How do you think? And there's so many wonderful ways and there's no one way to do it. But I remember when I first got born again, the Gospels is where I hung out. I hung out in the Gospels. I wanted to know what did Jesus do when he encountered various situations? And then I would go to Proverbs and I said, okay, I want to hear about this wisdom that Solomon had. And then I went to, to, to the Pauline epistles and I'm like, what does he say when he write to these people in these different churches? Because I can relate to these particular people. I can relate to the Romans. I can relate to Philippians. I can it, 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 uh, relate to the people in Thessalonica. I, I can feel how they were feeling. How did Paul respond to them? What did he say to them? And the more I've done that over the years since 1986, the more I have gotten to understand who God is. Am I perfect? Heck no. Do I have a long way to go? You better believe it because as long as I'm alive, I can keep learning more and more about God. But now I don't have to, I don't have to just have someone talking to me every day about how uh, I I shouldn't be angry at people and, 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 and act out of anger. I don't have to have someone saying that I should be a tither. I don't have to have somebody tell me I should fast. I don't have to have somebody telling me what the Bible calls those elementary things. Why? Because I've mastered those things. Now I get it. I know how God responds to those. Now I want to go on to those things of maturity. Understand this. You cannot grow without change. You cannot grow without change. If you are fine being just the way you are, you will never have any growth. You will never grow in the kingdom. And if you don't grow in the kingdom, then whatever you, whatever benefits and rewards are available to you now, that's where you've maxed out. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to max out on the things that God has for me. Understand this. We are babes who are growing into sonship. And it's not about how much time in the earth that we're spending. It's about how much time and not like, like, like minutes, days, and hours, but where's your hunger level? Do you hunger after God? The Bible says he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be what? He shall be fed. So you got to develop this hunger for God. So let's go. uh, Let's 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 go to number three. Number three in this process of growing into sonship. Our mind must be renewed. Let's review. Number one, I got to be born again. Okay, got to be born again. That's where it starts. Number two. I have to develop this hunger for the word of God. And that's an entire series of teaching by itself that we could do. But I have to develop that hunger. And there's a process for developing that hunger. And you can do it. But once I've developed that hunger, it's going to help me do number three. What is number three? My mind must be renewed. I cannot... express how important this is, which is why Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3 is one of my favorite scriptures. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the Amplified. We've read it many, many times, but you know here at Fellowship of Champions, one of the things we don't do is despise repetitive teaching. So let's take a look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Now, Now think about this. You and I, those of us who are born again, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. We've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. The spirit of bondage that used to be on us is no longer on us anymore. We now have the spirit of adoption. Okay. We we are no longer a creation of God, just a creation of God. We are now children of God. And and, and depending on our development, we are developing into our sonship relationship. He then says, as you're developing into this sonship relationship, be careful that your old mind, because it's always pulling on you, is not pulling you back into this world. He says, do not be conformed, he says, to this world, which means to be fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. He says, but, what does that mean? He means, forget all that stuff before it. Let's talk about what's about to come after this word. He says, but be transformed, or the word changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude. Where are you gonna get these new ideas and new attitudes from? They're going to come based off of your development for a hunger of the things of God. As you you have a, a hunger for a development of the things of God, you're going to want God more. Well, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent for anything. Therefore, if you hunger and you thirst after God, he says, verily, you shall be fed. What am I going to be fed with? New ideas and a new attitude. New ideas and a new attitude. God's going to show me, he's going to give me his mind and it's going to replace my old mind. He says, why do we need this? So that we may prove to who, God? No. He says, you got to prove this to yourself what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. He says the reason you need these, this hunger, the reason you need to be born again, the reason you need this hunger for the word of God, and the reason you need to have your mind renewed is so that you can prove for yourself. When you prove something for yourself, people can't talk you out of it. When you prove it for yourself, everybody can tell you, listen. This is not how it goes. This is how it goes. you like, nope, I know how it works. This is how it works. I've done it. I've tried it. I've tested it. It's proven to be true. He says, I need you to have this mind renewal so that when the enemy tells you it doesn't benefit you to serve God, you can laugh in his face and say, Joker, you lying. I've already tried it and it already works. I proved it for myself, glory to God. Somebody go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I'm gonna prove God's word for myself. I am gonna prove God's word for myself. See, I love my spiritual parents, Pastor Tony and Pastor Cynthia Brazelton, but I can't just look at their life and go, okay, I believe it because it works for them. I gotta prove it for me. If Now, I believe if the word works for them, it'll work for me, but I don't know it'll work for me until it works for me. So I got to prove it for myself. You and I are spirit. And I've said this before. Man is a tripartite being. We are spirit. We possess a soul that lives and is housed in the body. Somebody asked me one time, they said, what do you get this from? And so let's look at First Thess- Thessalonians 5 and 23. Here it is, it's laid out. Pastor Sean and I did not make this up in some lab and decide that we was gonna say this because it sounded good. This is Bible. He says, and may the very God of peace, the God of nothing missing and nothing broken, may he sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, entirely, completely, and thoroughly. He says, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, your whole spirit, And soul, uh uh-huh, and what? Body be what? Preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. We are tripartite beings. We are a spirit. We possess, we are spirit. We possess a soul that's housed in a body. This gives us legal authority to access, watch this, both spirit realm and the earth realm. That's why being born again is so important, because as long as you are unregenerated, the only thing you have access access to is this earth realm. That means if something doesn't exist in the earth realm where you can operate with your five senses to obtain it, then you can't have it. But when you are a born-again believer, glory to God, when you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, amen, when you are hunger, when you hunger and thirst after the things of God, when, when you start to renew your mind, when you start to get an understanding of how to operate in both realms simultaneously, then you begin to open up an entire world of possibilities because we know that nothing is too hard for God. And so God gives us access into both the kingdom of heaven and in this earth realm. Why is that so important? Because when we are devoid of God's Holy Spirit, it creates this empty hole in our lives. And if we've got this empty hole in our lives, then we'll try to fill that empty hole with other natural earthly things, but it'll never satisfy us. Think about this. You ever, you ever remember being a kid and making a decision that, that, that you if, if you could just have a certain new toy, that you would never want anything else in your whole life. If you could just get that new fire truck, if you could just get that new dollhouse, if you could just get that new uh, gaming system, if you could just have that, you wouldn't ever want anything else. And as soon as you got it and you played with it for a little while, all of that excitement went away and you were wanting something new. Why? Because you were desiring something that honestly can never be filled except by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You didn't know that, but that is the thing. Once you access God, everything else pales in comparison. It's nice to have some of those things, but it's like if I got God, I got everything I need. If I got the very God of peace and he sanctified me wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely, thoroughly, entirely, that means that I am so satisfied with what God has given me that I don't have to have any desire to try to replace him with something else. But if I'm devoid of God's spirit, I'm gonna always be looking for something to feel what only God can feel. This is important because let's take a look at Ephesians 1.13. In Ephesians chapter one, Verse 13, it says this. It says, and because of Jesus Christ, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believe in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped, I love this, with the seal of the promise of Holy Spirit. We have been stamped with the seal of the promise of Holy Spirit. When you are born again, When you develop a hunger for the things of God, when you seek to renew your mind, Holy Spirit stamps you with that promise. And in our spirit, we I said this earlier, we get saved instantly. But we know that it takes time for us to be uh, changed into the image of God's son. And I I said to to Elder Valley this morning, one of these days I'm going to get him to come on this live video and do this whole teaching that he's taught a couple times before about how we are saved, praise God. We are being saved, praise God, and we will be saved, thank God. And, and, and it's, it's so wonderful because when you understand that, you understand that God is working on us. He has been working on us and will continue to work on us. Our souls are saved progressively even though our spirit man is saved instantaneously. Somebody type this in the comments. Say, I am a work in progress. Now, every person who's on here ought to say that because you are, whether you know it or not. Say, I am a work in progress. I am a work in progress. Progress. Now, I got an example I want to show you. And I was actually going to do the whole illustration and decided against it. But 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 Pastor Ralph's been talking about the power of your imagination. So you need to tap into your imagination for the next few minutes. I need you to tap into your imagination. I need you to to hear what I'm about to say. I need you to follow me and I need you to see this because this is an example of what it looks like when we are uh, when we are progressing, when we are a work in progress, okay. Now, think for just a moment about having a clear glass, like a 10-ounce a glass of Coca-Cola. Okay. Everybody get 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 that. Whatever your glass looks like, that's fine. But you know what the Coca-Cola looks like. You know how dark it is in that clear glass. Now imagine you take that glass of Coca-Cola and you place it in a, in a big clear glass bowl. Okay. So you got a big clear glass bowl. In the middle of that glass bowl, you got this. this this glass uh, of Coca-Cola. Now imagine that you get a full pitcher of water, okay? Y'all got the pitcher? You got a bowl, you got a glass in the middle of the bowl, and inside of that glass is Coca-Cola. You take a full pitcher of water, and as you begin to pour that water into that tall glass, what happens? The water begins to replace the Coca-Cola. And if you pour it in continuously over time you'll see that that glass gets more and more diluted it becomes less dark now you're going to still see the remnants of the coca-cola as long as you're pouring the water but if you poured an entire say 64 ounces of water into that 10 ounce glass before you finish pouring all of that water into that glass of coca-cola what's going to happen to that glass of coca-cola it's going to be less and less diluted it's going to be filled with more and more water it's going to become more and more clear that is a picture of what happens to us after we get born again we get born again and we look just like that glass of coca-cola we got so much trauma So much junk, so much mess, so much anger, so much unforgiveness, so much disease, so much hurt, so much loneliness, so much financial hardship. That glass is just dark. We're just dark. But God took us out of one kingdom and put us in his new kingdom. And as we began to develop that hunger for God's word, the Bible says he that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be what? He shall be fed. So as that water, I kept, I'm reading Proverbs. I'm going to church. I'm seeking understanding. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm reading the gospels. I'm reading the Pauline epistles. I'm reading the Old Testament. I'm reading history. I'm finding out the names of God. All of these things we do over the course of our life is pouring water into that glass. And before you know it, there are no remnants of that darkness left. There's no remnants of that brokenness left. There's no remnants of of that financial hardship left. There's no sickness. There's no disease. It's just a clear picture. And in fact, if you keep pouring long enough, you will not be able to tell the difference between what's in the jug, praise God, and what's in the glass of water. They will look the exact same. Why? Because you will be translated into the image of the very God that you serve. You will be, but it doesn't happen overnight. And watch this. Even if you find out that there's a little bit of Coca-Cola still floating in the water you ain't got a trip all you got to do is pour more water Glory to god all you got to do is get more word all you got to do is spend more time with him and you will be conformed into his image you will be conformed into his image now why is that important it's important because what Paul says when I first got born again, one of the things I spent a lot of time was looking at Romans chapter seven and Romans chapter eight. I was going to Bible study i was I was early in my college years, and I was in Bible study. I think I was like twenty years old, and I was going to this church called Harlem Park Baptist Church uh, in Conway arkansas and and they had a young he was older than me, but he was still a young guy at the time and and he was teaching. Uh, about basically how to see ourselves the way God sees us. And he directed us to spend time in Romans, specifically Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. And I think this is so important that I want to read this before we end because I want people to understand how you need to see yourself so that the enemy is not able to drag you back into the world because he's trying to intimidate you about who you used to be. See, you're new. If you're born again and you're new, if I if we was in church, I'd have you find three people and slap high five with them and tell them you're new. So we're on social media, so you can't do all that, but you can type it in the comment. Say, I am new. I am new. Now, what's what part of you is new? If you're born again, your spirit is new. Okay. Your soul, there may be parts of it just new depending on your progression in the things of God. But if you just got born today, this morning on this broadcast, then your soul is just like it was until you've had a chance to do some renewing. But Paul says, don't allow the process of you becoming a son of God derail you because you don't think you're there yet. And so that's why I want to read Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter seven, I wanna start in verse 11. Pastor Raph has it on the screen for me. Just, Just follow me here. And I got this from the Passion Translation. I just want you to hear what it's saying because I don't want you beating yourself up because you're growing and becoming. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to develop a passion and a hunger for God, but I don't want you to beat yourself up because you're not where Pastor Sean is, you're not where Pastor Edwin is, you're not where so-and-so is, you're not where this person is or that person is. Are you on a journey? Are you growing every day? If so, that is what God cares about. Paul says this when he wrote to the Roman church. He says, sin, by means of the commandment, the law, built a base of operation within me. Now, this is important because most of us, before we ever came to God, we were proficient <laughs> in sinning. In fact, have you ever noticed you can take a two or three-year-old, you can ask them a question and they can lie so fast? you like, how did they learn to lie? Who taught them how to lie? How did they, how, how were they able to lie so fast? Sin has been operating in mankind forever since Adam and Eve blew it, and as a result, It has built up a base of operation in us. It says to overpower us and to put us to death. That's what sin has been doing. It says, so then we have to conclude that the problem is not with the law itself. He says, Paul's explaining to them in Romans, he says, listen, we were given the law not because the law wanted to condemn us, the law was given to us so that we could see what sin is and so how we can get over sin. He says because what sin has been doing is building up a base of operation inside of us. And its job or its goal it was to overpower us so that it could put us to death because we know that the wages of sin is what? Death. So then in verse 13 he says this. He says or the law is he says or the law is holy And his commandments are correct and for our good. He says, look, the law is for our good. It was to show us the the way to go. He says, so did something meant to be good become death to me? He's talking about the law. He says, God forbid, or certainly not. He says, it was not the law, but sin unmasked that produced my spiritual death. The law didn't kill me, it was the it was it was sin. When when God ripped the veil off and showed me what sin was, that was the thing that caused my spiritual death. He says, "The sacred commandment, the law merely uncovered the evil of sin so it could be seen for what it is." He says, "Sin is bad. It just needs to be seen for what it is." And then in verse 14, he says, "For we know that the law is divinely inspired and it comes from the spiritual realm. But I am a human being made of flesh and trafficked as a slave under sin's authority. Now, now, go back to that real quick, verse 14. Think about this, what he says. In verse 14, he is literally saying to us, he says, look, the law is spiritual. It came from a spiritual place, okay? He says, but we are human." And in human, what sin does to us is sin kidnaps us and then sin uses us as a slave as it traffics us in the same way that someone would do if they snatch someone off the street and then put them into the sex trafficking ring. He says, that's what slave does to us. It kidnaps us and then it uses us for its own pleasure and it causes us to remain a slave under its authority. But the law was given So that we could unmask sin and see sin for what it is as it's already built up this base in us. All right. Verse 15. He says, now I'm a mystery to myself. Paul says, I don't even understand my own self. He says, for what I want to do, what is right. He says, I end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. He says, I know I know the thing I'm doing is wrong. I end up condemning myself, but I keep doing the thing I'm not supposed to do. Why do I do that? Because sin has built up a base of operation in you. Verse 16. He then says this: and if my behavior, watch this, is not in line with my desire, then my conscience still confirms the excellence of the law. Now, before you was even doing any, before you was ever trying to serve God, there's been a time in your life that you did something you was like that was wrong. I should have done that. I should have done that. I, I should. And you began to, you were, you were feeling condemned. Why? Because your behavior was not in line with the part of you that was trying to connect with God. And then verse 17 says this, it says, and now Paul says to them, I realize that it's no longer my true self doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin inside of my humanity. Paul says, listen, there are two people inside of me. And even though you are born again, there are still two things at work in your life. Yes, you are born again. Yes, you are a child of God. Yes, you are on your way to sonship, but your soul still has a part of the remnants of that Coca-Cola in you. Some of those dark and broken places. And what happens is, is it's Fighting, it's fighting for its life to stay alive. And Paul says it like this. He says, it's that unwelcome intruder. Who is that unwelcome intruder? His name is sin. And he is inside of my humanity. And every day he's trying to break out. Every day he's trying to take control. Every day he wants to lead. Every day he wants to be the captain. Every day he wants to be the pilot. He wants to be the one who dictates what we do. Verse 18. Paul says, but I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. Paul says, and I like the way he says that because there is something good in me, but it's God. But there's nothing good in my flesh that's a part of that fallen humanity. He says, all of the longings that I have, he says, to do what is right are within me. I desire to do the things of God. They are inside of me. But notice what he says. But willpower, praise God, is not enough to accomplish it. Somebody ought to hear me this morning. You cannot wheel your way into sonship. You cannot wheel your way into sonship. You must be born again. You must develop a hunger for the things of God. And then you must, you must renew your mind. Why? Because willpower won't do it for you. There's a part of you that still exists and always will. And every day you got to crucify that part of you that is a part of the fallen humanity of mankind. That thing is going to rise up every morning. It's going to want to lead. It's going to want to dictate. It's going to want to be the one that says, this is what we're going to do. And every day you're going to have to use something greater than willpower to suppress it. And that is the power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Let's keep going. This gets better. Verse 19. He says, my lofty desires. See, they're lofty. I got this idea to do good. I want to do right. I want to do right. But you know what? Sin is all around. me." He says, my lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. He says, so, so, so I just get condemned. I want to do right, and I, I end up doing the things that I don't want to do. I want to avoid them. I don't want to fornicate, but I keep responding to the text. I don't, I don't want to lie and steal, but I keep being tempted by the money. He says, my lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things that I want to avoid. And then verse 20, he says, so if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, then I must conclude that it is not my true identity. Praise God. <laughs> that stuff that that's that that's that that, that scene I keep practicing, that's not the real me. That's not the real Edwin. That's not the real Tony. That's not the real April. That's not the real Nitra. That's not the real Carrie. That's not the real Leah. That's not the real James. No, that's not the that's that that's not that, that's not really me. It's that unwelcome intruder. And who is that unwelcome intruder? It is sin and it keeps hindering me from being who I really am. And so how do I get rid of that unwelcome intruder? I kick it out of doors. The Bible says perfect love casts fear out of doors. Fear is sin, it is torment. How do I do that? By growing in my relationship with God. The more I grow in my relationship with God, the less, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, the less you'll find yourself committing any kinds of sins. People are like, well, you can't ever say you're not going to commit a sin. I can say I can be so committed to God that sin is not a part of my life. I can say that. He then says in verse 21, through my experience of this principle, Paul says, I discovered that even when I want to do good, evil, is what? Ready to sabotage me? Oh, it's ready. And if you give into it, it'll get you every time. Don't you think for one moment that you are so saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized with fire, speaking with tongues as the, as the Spirit gives you evidence that sin ain't going to try to sabotage you. Sin is not going to ever stop trying to sabotage you. It is always going to be there. But just because it's there doesn't mean it has to win. The Bible says in verse 22, truly deep within my true identity. What's my true identity? That redeemed identity. When I got born again, the Bible says I became something brand new. I got a brand new identity. And as as having a brand new identity, that's who I truly am. Not that old man. He says, truly deep within my true identity, I love to do What pleases God. Can somebody type that in the comment section? I love and and, and do love with all capital letters. I love to do what pleases God. I love to do what pleases God. I love to do what pleases God. I love to do what pleases God, because when you start loving to do what pleases God, sin cannot sabotage you. It's going to be there. The opportunity is going to be there, but I'm, it's just like when I talk um, about being unoffendable. Opportunities to be offended are always going to exist, but you don't have to take those opportunities. Sin is always going to be there, but you don't have to take those opportunities. I love to do what pleases God. Amen. Let's go to the next verse. He says, but I discern, Paul says, you know what? I, I I figured this thing out. I've watched it long enough. I paid attention to it. And now I have discerned that there's another power operating in my humanity. And it's waging war against the moral principles of my conscience. And it's bringing me into, into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin. He says, oh, I'm born again. I love God. I've had a transformation. But I realize now why I keep doing the very things I don't want to do. It's a war going on. There's a war happening inside of me. There is somebody else or some other thing present in my humanity. And it's waging a war against the new me. So in order for the new me to win this war, I got to strengthen the new me above the old me. Now, I haven't spent 25 years strengthening the old me, so I'm going to have to spend some time strengthening this new me so that this new me, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, and my intellect can line up with the spirit so that we can dominate all of these fleshly desires that are gonna be a part of my humanity all the days long. But if I can get my spirit and my soul lined up, they will have dominion over my body. And now I'm a tripartite being serving God. So now God is doing exactly what he said in First Thessalonians when he has sanctified me wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely and thoroughly. Verse 24, he then says this. He says, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. Verse 24 says, what an agonizing situation I am in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man From the unwelcome intruder of sin and death. Hold on. Notice what he says here. Paul says, what a miserable situation to find ourselves in. That when we want to do good, evil is ever present. What a horrible, agonizing situation we find ourselves in when we want to serve the living God, but this fallen flesh nature keeps sabotaging us through sin. He said, what an agonizing situation we find ourselves. He says, and if this were the end, I I don't know what I would do. He asked a rhetorical question to the Romans. He says, so then who has the power to rescue this miserable man that I am from this unwelcome intruder of sin and death? And praise God, he didn't leave him there. He gave him an answer. Let's look at this. He says, I give all my thanks to God for this mighty power. See, there's two powers. There's one working, but there's a mightier power working. He says, I give all my thanks to God for this mighty power has finally provided a way out. God provided us a way of escape through his son, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. He says, so if left to myself, huh? The flesh is aligned with the law of sin. He says, but now my, come on. There's another part of that. <laughs> he says, but now, he says, but now, verse 25, let me get it. He says, but now, I, he says, with the flesh, the law of sin. Understand this. when When you get born again, and I really want people to hear this. When you get born again, do not beat yourself up because you don't get everything right the first time. Now you ought not be comfortable. You ought not be comfortable with not getting it right. Paul says it's miserable, it's miserable, it's agonizing to want to do the right thing and then find yourself doing the wrong thing. He 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 said he asked the Romans a question. He said, Man, who is going to deliver us from this? He says, I know it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, God gave us Jesus, His anointed one. And as a result, he got us free from all of this sin. He says, so if left to myself, he says, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. He says, but but now my renewed mind, there it is, is what? Fixed on and what? Submitted to, fixed on and submitted to what? God's righteous principles, amen? That is how we grow into the sonship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ That's how we do And so once, we, once we're born again Right? Once we develop a hunger for the, for the things of God For God's word, his word I tell people all the time, start with the Bible People say, well I want to hear God say something He speaks a lot of times in confirmation of his word If you don't know his word You don't always know who's speaking to you Because the enemy speaks as well So start by knowing his word Get a hunger for God's word Number three, then you got to renew your mind You got to know that there's a part of you that still exists. And until you train it to be submissive and you allow your new soul, your new, uh, the new part of you, your new thinking to align with Christ, it's going to take some work. And then the last thing in this process is number four, which is that we must be ready. We must be receptive and we must be responsive. We must be ready. We must be receptive and we must be responsive. So we, number one, I said, again, got to be born again. Repeat this again. Number two, if you, what, what do you got to do? You got to develop a hunger for the things of God. Number three, what do you got to do? You got to make sure that you're renewing your mind. And then number four, you must be ready, receptive, and responsive. You must be ready, receptive, and responsive. And responsive. Let's look at Hebrews 4 and 2, and I'm going to end. Hebrews 4 and 2, we can come back and visit some of this when Pastor Shun is back. Hebrews 4 and 2 says this. It says, for unto us, praise God, was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. So when you are hearing God's word, you got to mix that word with faith. When you are hearing God's word, you got to mix that word with faith. You got to believe it. What does that mean? That means that when I'm reading God's word and I see that God says that by his stripes, I am healed. I cannot try to intellectualize the fact that other people who said they believed in God didn't get healed. I can't spend my time trying to intellectualize everything I read. I got to read God's word and take God at his word. My my spiritual mom says this all the time. You got to take God serious. You got to take God serious. And if you take God serious, then when you read his word, it gets mixed with faith. And that gospel that you hear, the preached word will begin to profit you. Understand, there are some things that happen when we become sons of God. All born again believers, I said this before, are children of God. But not all children of God are sons of God. It takes a concerted effort to become a child of God. Understand there are some things that sons do and we'll talk about this later, but there are some specific things that sons do and you can begin to mark or you can begin to lay out your own maturity by seeing whether or not you do those particular things, because there are certain ways that we know that children act. We just know it. In fact, we know children act certain ways. We give them grace when they act that way. You you, you take a child who's two years old and they can't have something that they want. And that child starts to cry and, and do all things that two-year-olds do and they throw a fit. Most of us aren't going to call a psychologist or a psychiatrist and say, hey, come talk to my two-year-old because she or he is throwing a fit. Why? We know that's what two-year-olds do. But if you don't ever train that two-year-old and 20 years later you got a 22-year-old laying in the floor, kicking and screaming and crying and having a fit because they didn't get something that they wanted, most people are not going to have a whole lot of sympathy for that person. Unless that person has some mental developmental uh, defect that's causing them to behave that way, most people are going to be like, what is wrong with that 22-year-old? He needs to grow up. And that's going to be the same thing that is said about us spiritually. There may be some things you didn't know when you came into the kingdom at the beginning of this year. There may be some things you didn't know when you came into the kingdom six months ago. There may be some things you don't know today because maybe you just came into the kingdom today. But if you would develop a hunger for God, if you will ask God to help you to renew your mind, and if you would get to the place where you are ready, you are receptive, and you are responsive when God speaks to you, I am telling you, you are on your path to sonship and it cannot be stopped. You are on your path to sonship and it cannot be stopped. Somebody type in the comment section as we get ready to close. Say, I am growing. And becoming a son of God, I am growing and becoming into a son of God. I am growing and becoming into a son of God, and that should be your heart's desire. That should be your heart's desire every single day. Every single day, that should be your heart's desire. You want to grow into the things of God, why? Because when you grow into the things of God, there are certain there are certain benefits and privileges and opportunities that exist to you that do not exist until you grow up. They just don't exist until you grow up. You know, Pastor Ralph was talking about the power of imagination. I started using the power of my imagination just to see myself, Just really just to see myself going 24 hours and everything I do pleases God. Everything I do. I start using it because I'm going to connect the power of my imagination with this idea of, 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 of developing a hunger for God with renewing my mind, with being uh, receptive and and being uh, ready and responsive for the things of God. I see myself that way because if I see myself as being ready, responsive, and receptive to the things of God, then when God prompts me to do something, I'm ready. When God prompts me to do something, I'm receptive. When God prompts me to do something, I'm responsive. Why? Because my heart's desire is to do that. And I see myself that way before the opportunity presents itself. So when the opportunity presents itself, I'm not trying to convince myself to do it. It's already who I see I am. And so you can connect that power of imagination with who you want to become. And so I encourage you all to do that. Listen, thank you for coming this morning. We've already done our announcements. I want to remind you once again that this is our month. Every week we're going to be celebrating one of our pastors, one of our clergy members, one of our ministers, some people who we uh, know that we could not do ministry without, and we're going to be thanking them. Uh, And I just encourage you, if you're a partner of FOC, if you're a friend of the ministry, if this is where you're currently being fed, listen, I encourage you to be a blessing to those people this week uh, or this month. Uh, Every week that we do it, be a blessing to them. Uh, do something nice for them. Send them nice words. Words are nice. You know, money's good too, though. <laughs> Word is nice, but money is good too. Send them. Say, hey, here's a sonic drink on me. You know, here's a Starbucks on me. Or here, take, 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 go out to eat on me. Uh, because uh the Bible tells us uh that those who labor uh in the in the gospel and who labor for our souls, that those individuals, praise God, that those individuals uh should be recognized and honored as such. And so uh we certainly want to do that for those who are in our ministry, uh, because we know that Pastor and I could not do it without them. Amen. Listen, uh, there are a couple of things. The last announcement, there are ways to give. Thank you. I almost forgot that. There are ways to give. You can give through Givelify. Uh, You can give through Pushpay. You can give through Tively, or you can text to give by by texting 833-969-0897. You can text the word give to that number, and you can also give via PayPal. Listen, I don't know about you. I live by my sowing. I live by my sowing. And I don't I don't consider my tithe to be sowing. My tithe belongs to God. That's not mine. I render unto him what is his. Then I look for opportunities to sow, whether into my ministry, other ministries, other people, because I'm a firm believer that I live off my seed. I live off my seed. I live the life I live today as a direct result of my sowing, not off my job, not off, not off of investments. None of that. It's off my giving. My giving gives power to all of those other things. But I live off my sowing. And all I can do is tell you how I live. And then you have to make the decision uh, whether or not you want to trust God enough to do the same. But I can tell you that God has never let me down not in 27 years, God has never let me down. He's never, once I decided I was going to be a tither and I haven't missed a tithe and I decided I was going to live off my sewing. God has never, ever not been there when I needed him, not only for monetarily, but, but, but for anything that I needed, God has always been there. And so uh, it's one of those things I've proven for myself and I encourage you to prove it as well. Also, I want to make sure uh, to remind you, um, that and this, this is you know, those of you may have seen it. Uh, I am going to be teaching a master class on October 16th. Uh, it's a free master class, October 16th at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, it's going to be entitled How to Effectively Develop and Increase Your Emotional Intelligence. People have been asking me to teach it. Uh, I waited until I feel like the Lord gave me a, uh, an okay to do so. And so, the first class I'm going to do is going to be a free class. Um, You just have to show up. I looked this morning. There were already 107 people who had registered. If you haven't registered, I encourage you to do that. Once the seats are full, they're going to be full. Don't text me. Don't message me Ask I can put you in. I can't. I'm not buying extra seats and all the other stuff. So it's free. (laughs) So it don't cost you nothing. So the least you can do is register, even if you don't come. But if you want to come, you have to register. It's going to be great. Uh, I think it's going to be an opportunity for some of you to recognize some areas in your life that you could have some improvement in. Uh, I was talking to someone off record yesterday, and they were talking about the last couple of jobs they've had. Two of them, they've been let go when they quit um, because they couldn't get along with people. And we started talking about what are soft skills and what are their soft skills. Uh, and when they got through, I was like, yeah, you need to sign up for this class. <laughs> you need to sign up for this free class because uh, with the world we live in with so many people who are interacting uh, through other mediums rather than face to face, people have lost a lot of soft skills. They're smart. They're geniuses. They know how to work technology. They know how to do all these things, but they've lost the very essence of soft skills. And uh, it's something that we used to teach all the time uh, in society, but now that we email, now that we text, now that we Zoom, and even on Zoom, people like people don't like to be on camera. <laughs> people cut their cameras off on Zoom. They cut their, their, their mics off when they're not talking. They they disengage. And so as a result, a lot of the appropriate soft skills uh, that so many people have, they've lost. So uh, if go to my page, go to any place that I posted. You can see it. The link is there to register. Uh, I encourage you to do that. Do it today because if seats fill up, once they fill up, they're done. October 16th at 10 a.m. Listen, on this week, I am praying that you would do what is necessary to continue your development. Don't get weary. Pastor Ralph said it the other day. This is the last quarter of 2021. We are entering the last, this October, what, the third? We are in the last quarter of 2021. I am telling you, You'd be like, well, you said at the beginning of the year, so-and-so was going to happen. Listen, God can do more for you in three months than he did in the previous nine, but nothing's going to happen if you don't do something different, okay? And you got to be committed. You say, well, I've been doing everything. Then keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't stop now. Don't give up now. The things that God has promised for us, this five to one, this year of great harvest, this year release, it's still the same thing. It has not changed. Amen? Listen, God bless you all. I encourage you to do what's necessary. Join us uh, for Strategies for Success. Join us on Tuesday night prayer. Join us on Wednesday night Bible study. Join us Friday morning for prayer. And then come back on Sunday morning for Pastor Chris in Elder Valley as we do praise and worship. And I'll be back here uh, next week, hopefully maybe with Pastor Sean. And we'll continue to teach on this message about growing into sonship. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, awesome day. Be safe and enjoy. Love you. Bye-bye.